Welcome to the Crushing Comics Podcast. This episode was originally recorded on the 7th of October and debuted on YouTube. In this episode, we cover the third week of the X of Swords crossover, which included the issues Wolverine number 6, X-Force number 13, and Marauders number 13. Spoiler warning, we discuss everything about X-Men up to and including comics from the 7th of October, as well as other current events in the Marvel Universe. Hello and welcome everybody to Crushing Comics. I'm your host, Peter, known throughout the internet as Crisis with a K, and I'm here with two of my favorite mutants in the world to talk about X-Men stuff with. Tyler, when was the last time that you've been to hell and back? Does Hell's Kitchen count? (laughs) Sure, I think a brief trip to Hell's Kitchen could... Was it as bad as everybody says it is? No, it is all gentified right now. So. <laughs> I often Why think that when I'm reading in? Daredevil, like, could it possibly be as bad as Daredevil is trying to make us believe Hell's Kitchen no. is for the past? At least in the new Daredevil arc, there's bookshops, but I don't know if they've captured mm. the full gentrification. No. It's completely nope. different now. I don't think so. <laughs> and Freya, when was the last time that you have been like a thief in the night? Are you, are you good at that, that sort of activity? Yeah, so... I mean, recently Cyclops visited Philadelphia, and then at that time I actually got to steal his glasses. I have oh. it, you know. Now he's walking around glassless, like you know, blind like this. It's very funny. <laughs> I just like to. I just love doing that because it's Cyclops. Who cares about him? I, I see we're we're shopping for the thumbs down reactions, <laughs> nice and early this week. So, uh, like you know, coming ho- coming in hot with opinions because remember now I have I'm an X Men fan now. Now I can have opinions about X Men. Yeah, we, you know, can't, no longer... we can't even call you New Mutant anymore. At this point, no. you're just yeah. X Force. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 I have graduated. And you eventually, know. you'll be ecstatics. Oh my god, that will be something. I can't wait for that. I actually read ecstatics. I don't like it, but that's I love okay. Ecstatics. Well, maybe maybe a, a bonus video at some point. So, look, if you haven't been able to tell from our introduction so far, this is our full spoilers examination of what has been happening in the world of X Men up into and including this week in X. And this week in X was a big week. There was Wolverine number six. X-Force number 13, and Marauders number 13, which together were chapters 3, 4, and 5 of X of Swords, or Ten of Swords, or Sword of Swords, or whatever you're calling it in your homeland. So we're going to address each of these issues one by one as if they're just three hunks of a bigger story. But before we get into the details of them specifically, what is our general feeling about these group of three issues? Freya, what was your general takeaway from these chapters? Um, so the general check takeaway, I was kind of iffy about the Wolverine, but I really enjoyed the new character Solem. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more down the line. And I loved Moraders 13. I loved that issue. So we are good. I know that, you know, it's a, it's, um, probably going to be a little bit different opinion, but I really enjoyed it. And I was like, kind of like, uh, bored. But then when the Moritz 13 happened, I'm like, yes. So, you know, so that just kind of teaser about what's, what's coming from me. Okay. Tyler, similar Um, feelings of positivity or no? Not quite. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I think for me is like, there are lots of minor things in these two, you know, three issues that kind of bug me. 
And if there is one or two, I I usually can overlook it. But if there are too many of them, they add up to, you know, I mean, it, it detracts me from enjoying the story fully. So I think that is one of the issue, one of the main complaints I have regarding these three chapters. You know, I, I often wonder about how my brain works. Because when I'm reading an issue of a comic book, I think of myself almost like a figure skating judge where they like deduct points if your toe goes this way or if like Ooh. you touch down. And it's not like it's not like because I think I'm this judge of good comic making. That is actually how my brain works. Like if one of the characters speech speaks not with their normal speech pattern, in my head I'm like 0.5 deduction. And that's just how I that's just how I work. It's how I listen to music too. I'm just like hypercritical and, and maybe that's something to, to work out in therapy. But um that is definitely how I read things. So sometimes little things kind of create drag. It's kind of like a car that's not super aerodynamic. Those things just create drag on me uh, appreciating the issues. I would say and, that... And oh, go you ahead, also... Priya. No, no, I'm just going to say you also opened my eyes to lettering. Like, you know, how lettering bothers you and now lettering also bothers me. And I blame you for it. <laughs> I And you can go, roll back in my channel and watch Freya's lettering awakening on Batwoman. <laughs> As she decided that she too can be enraged by lettering in a comic book. You can say that her basically for his whole villain origin story really yeah, is like it was told my, in an arc on my yeah, channel. Exactly. It started there. <laughs> so look, I here's the thing uh, that I felt about these issues, and maybe this can lead us to our first discussion point. It just didn't feel like a crossover to me. Like it felt like they were tie-ins. It feels like we're in the kind of book where we're like, it's like the these are the journey tie-ins or the stage one tie-ins because the Wolverine chapters like we got Silver Samurai a little bit in Krakow but there was no hint of anything else that was happening no follow-up on what anybody else was doing and then the same thing in Marauders it kind of was like after the scene with Kitty Storm goes and does this big mission and of course both of them kind of end on coming back to the circle with the sword but thinking back to what I think about as a direct crossover I expect to see more interplay between the wider cast am I just being like a stickler or did you you two have that feeling as well. I mean, I definitely have that. Um, like I, I, the the whole structure is 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 part of is part of the issues issue for me because um, I was a, a little bit afraid of like you know it is a quest you know each chapter is a quest by itself yeah and yeah eventually it will tie in but um, I mean and, and that that is a problem for me in in a small way i mean not as big as um as it is for you but um yeah i mean that that was something that was on the forefront when i first i mean when i read chapter three which is wolverine and it's like oh wait oh okay it's just him okay and it kind of um set the stage for me you know to not like it so much because of that yeah yeah. Freya, any similar feelings or you're kind of just like, it's all cool? No, no so, so because for me, issue two or like chapter two kind of ended that way, right? Because magic kind of stood in the in her circle. Oh, by the way, I was kind of kept on thinking, where did magic got her sword? I forgot that she has the sword all this time. I was like, like did I miss a chapter? What yeah, happened? Yeah, I was like, wait, 
cute. And then I was like, oh, Faria, you dummy. But anyway, uh, no, I mean, but the, because the thing is, chapter two kind of ended that way. And then it ended with all the swords and who's going to be getting what. And then she kind of was like, okay, bring it on. You know, and so to me, it, I kind of knew that that's what was going to happen. Like, you know, I kind of knew that, that the following following chapters is going to be about filling those spots, you know. And I really actually liked it that you know at the end of every chapter it's like okay i'm here who's next you know and then they kind of brought it all together and maybe because i read too many fantasy books because they kind of work in this structure so i was actually thinking about that that this is actually this crossover tie-in event what are you gonna call it it's actually a fantasy story now like the structure of it yeah structure of it so the thing is like it's like because I read a lot of them, I kind of know that this is the structure that goes. And I thought it was very fascinating as like the two different uh, sword that was acquired was done in very different ways. Like, you know, done by different people and done in very different ways. So for me, that was very exciting. So, and honestly, I only read one other crossover, X-Men crossover, which was the Messiah Complex, I believe. Um, so to me, I- I'm still kind of new at that. So. <laughs> I wasn't sure what a true crossover supposed to be. Well, I think you bring up a really good positive point that I don't want to lose sight of here, which is that sometimes when you get the kind of crossovers that I yearn from from my youth back in antiquity, is that um, <laughs> you get you get the feeling that everybody in the cast is kind of moving along, but you get this really bad middle chapter syndrome where the middle chapters kind of just are like a bunch of people like getting on planes and running places and going through portals. And it's that's no fun. And so these, to your point, like, could they have intercut like Wolverine and Storm doing their things across three issues? Yes. But then we would have got all of the climactic stuff all in the third issue and the middle, the first two issues would have been like, meh. So there's a method to the madness. I think, you know, I think that, and I think it's a valid critique to say like hey actually it's a positive thing that each one of these issues or pairs of chapters ends with like a big you know fight so that we aren't just waiting for the one big tournament to happen at the end but it also has to do with like the current structure of like modern comics yeah uh, especially for marvel because marvel has these stories um plan out so that they can collect them in a trade paperback or a uh oversized hardcover or an omnibus right so there is less layering of stories as opposed to say when you know Freya, if you have a chance to start reading you know from uncanny x-men 94 onwards you will discover a lot of layering of stories like at one point there might be five different stories going on at the same time some is some is at its end some is in the middle some is you know and and they they could all be just b plot with one nonsensical a plot going on so so there's a lot of layering going on and you feel like okay things are progressing like like normal life right because a lot of things is going on at the same time for all different characters and I, but i think x factor by peter david is also like that it is like, very it's much. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of layers which i was like please make it stop <laughs> and if you think stop. about it these these issues that we read if you just read a wolverine trade that like didn't have the next chapter it would read fine like you would yeah. be like, oh, Wolverine has a mission. He went on the mission. Maybe it would need the X Force issue, but you do it need would, the X Force, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't need any other issues. So you know, Wolverine's quest. Let's let's get into Wolverine's quest a little bit. He mm-hmm. knows when he hears it that he needs to find the Moramasa blade, and the Moramasa blade is interesting to me because we accept it as such canon right now that I think it's easy to forget that this is relatively new classic canon. It was only created in canon in 2006 at the beginning of the Wolverine Origins 
story um, that ultimately introduces Dokken and kind of like brings together a lot of Wolverine's history in light of him getting his memories back from House of M. But I kind of, I like half expected it to be mentioned in like Claremont or something because to me it seems so embedded. I mean, it's been 14 years. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty old plot point at this point. So Freya, did you know anything about this blade before it was introduced to you here? No. All I know that is like Wolverine is always kind of heading off to Japan to <laughs> do some stuff, you know. The question is, is it the same hand? Do you know why he's Jeff- always heading yeah. to Japan? Uh, he has a son. I mean, he has a Oops. he has a wife. Uh, right? he's gone. Like, oh, okay. Sorry. Am I gone? No, you're fine no. because we still uh, could hear your audio. Uh, um, okay. No, no. What I was, was going to say that I know that he had a wife, Emiko. Mariko. Mariko. And then there was also a daughter, right? Or. Well, there's some number of children that he's. Yeah, killed. there's I some mean, number of bunch of knows? children. And I mean, you know. And then that Dokken, he's all like, who's also my favorite diva. The, uh, the one the one surviving child. Too. Yeah. Thanks oh. to the recent Marvel Comics Presents, but or whatever oh, it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is like I know that he that's why he's like his he has the all the history over there. But um my question was is it the same hand that always torments Daredevil? Is it the it same is. one? Oh, okay. So there's the there's the connection. Um, so I mean, to me, it was just like I'm like, oh, okay, it's connected to all of that. It that wasn't a big deal for me. And the sword, the whole lore of the sword is that it's um, it can cut through anything, and it really hampers things like regeneration. So mm-hmm. it's always treated as like kryptonite in Wolverine books since 2006. Because yeah, like you're gonna cut off Sabretooth's head, you're gonna cut off Dakin's arm. You're gonna. It's like the thing that like makes it really serious, right? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because if you think back to Wolverine's long and storied history from like what was it, 1974 that he was introduced in Hulk, there's never really been any one thing other than maybe drowning and being in like deep water. Because he always says, "I don't really like swimming." Um, that's, that's why he's doing so much. Yeah, because he's afraid of <laughs> afraid of getting wet, just like a gremlin. But he, there's nothing that's like really risky for Wolverine, and so I feel like this was one of these things that was introduced to be like, oh, something can actually hurt him and the people who torment him. Yep. Right. And I, I mean, and the interesting thing no, no, about this sword is that it requires a soul or a yeah. piece of soul to make it work, much like magic sword. Yeah, but the, I don't know. To be to me, the reason I was actually rolling my eyes is not necessarily all the sword and everything, but it's like, dude already had those nicked things. Like he has those, you know, coming. You mean claws? claws? Yeah, claws. <laughs> <laughs> those nicked things. <laughs> Sorry, but you know the claws. So why does he need a sword? It just feels like extra. How is he moving that around? It's just it's too much. It's extra. I I don't like this. Yeah, Wolverine. I mean, I like I I I don't know. I get that there's this whole like samurai background with Mm -hmm. Wolverine that is fun sometimes, but it does sound it kind of feel like a little extra when he's holding the sword and his claws are out and the sword. I'm like, (laughs) how many sharp things do we need to fix to this character? You know. And and to be honest, that Wolverine is only in this because he's popular. I'm sorry, there's no other reason for Wolverine to be in this context and in this contest. Well, I mean, that's what I would say to Silver Samurai: get more popular. (laughs) <laughs> then you'll be in it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's good. I wanted to talk about him next, so take it away, Tyler. Yeah. No, I mean, for for me, it was really weird because um, 
Like no one took his place. No one took Silver Samurai's place, right? He he wasn't chosen. It's not as if he was chosen and then someone and Wolverine's like, no, I'm going to take your place because you suck. But you know, I mean so so I don't understand quite understand why he's like so um angry about it and why he's like keeping information from Wolverine that would help Krakoa um you know as a whole. So that part sort of like doesn't sit really well with me. Yeah, and I also kind of felt like wouldn't part of me is like wouldn't you want the sword mutants, like the mutants that you already think of as sword people to like be in it? But no, he's not popular enough because fun fact, and I have to remind myself about this every time Silver Samurai is on panel, he is a mutant and he focuses energy around him or through something, which is why he has armor and why he has a sword, but his sword is not his power. It's kind of like Black Tom's staff. It's just a way for him to focus Channel. the totality yeah. of his mutant power, as Chris Claremont yeah. would say. Yeah. No, but I agree. Sailor Samurai, not good enough. Wolverine t- kicks him to the curb and takes his place. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's the same thing with Shatterstar. He should yeah, where is Shatterstar? This. He, if there's any sword mutant, I think our boy Shatterstar yeah. should be the first Mojo draft world. pick. I Sh- know. Why, in Mojo world. why is he being a professional wrestler in Mojo World if he could be here? Ask just Carl saying. Higgins. Ask Carl Higgins. He put him there. It yes. was Carl Higgins or Team Steel. One of them put him there in the miniseries, and he's still stuck there. I read some stuff, you guys. I'm not oh. all that. She's, a, she's not a new mutant anymore. <laughs> yeah. So look, no, after after Wolverine kicks Silver Samurai to the curb, we go down to Arako, um, the, the land of exposition, where we have to learn uh. a little bit more about, about this imprisoned character, Solemn. Mm-hmm. And Solemn has some history with one of the horsemen, War, where he killed War's spouse, her her prior husband. But there's some question as to what happened. And so we get like a little bit of Solemn's history unfold as we learn why he's in this pit, just whiling away the days. He looks very comfortable. He's got like a cheese board. He's he's mm-hmm. really doing fine, but it's but he's not allowed to leave. What did you think? I know, Freya, did you, I know you had some opinions about Solemn, so why don't you kick us off here? Oh, no, I, I loved him. I yeah. really love characters who are like, you know, so like, whatever, life, I'm just going with the flow kind. And, you know, he's just in, he has all this bondage, which I'm pretty sure does nothing for him, but he's just has no, that. He likes and then, you know, he had brushes it off. Yeah. Right. You know, he has the stack of books and his like, you know, food and everything, which, to be honest, that's the life I want, you know, maybe not in a prison, maybe I would still like the whole, you know, the freedom to move around, like, you know, go wherever I want to do, but then having a stack of books and food and everything, I love that, and then being and like, I just, I mean, like, what more can you ask for? Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> Why does he have that? <laughs> no, but yet, the, 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 no, he's the just, interest- like, drinking his wine, just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has flowers too. And that too. It's just like I don't know. And it's like really... grapes and cheese. So, oh, I... so, so Arako has grapes and cheese. Right. Continuity yeah, but... note: grapes exist. Some editor somewhere is scribbling through. Grapes <laughs> yeah. are purple in Arako. Uh, or who knows? Maybe they could be imported. There's all of other worlds. Yeah. But I, I do get Freya's point. Like it is kind of fun when you first meet one of these characters who are like. Um, 
decadent carefree characters where they're not just rich because there's plenty of those but characters yeah. who are like who are um live in the life and are just unbothered by whatever you're bringing to their doorstep that's one of the things that makes emma frost fun is she's yes. generally unbothered by your bs exactly but, uh, i mean there's something and- interesting here too right there's a counterpoint to krakow's pit where Sabretooth yes. is actually being kept in status, uh, stasis. So so he doesn't have all this comfort, but he's aware. He's living, right? Whereas in the Oracle's pit, he's basically just chained up and the visitors... I mean, he, he, he could have people coming to him to sing to him, to bring him books, to cook for him, you know? And, you know, that's, that's pretty interesting. In the, in the, there's a... There's a I mean, the, the counterpoint is pretty interesting. Well, right, and, that, oh, go ahead. No, 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 I was just going to say that. I mean, not just like, you know, he's when we first see him, he's just like, yeah, whatever, I'll do your fight. And then, you know, then he goes and then, <laughs> and then he goes around and then murders someone without any thought or anything. And then just decided like he still knows how to get things done. He is like not even bothered, like how long, however long he was in this prison. Like it just like. It's like, sure, whatever, I'll do it for you. And I just, I don't know. I just really love those characters. Well, because it's one of those classic beats where like the person gets sent away and they're like, you'll call for me when you need me. Eventually you're going to need me. Al Ewing just used it at the end of Empire in a different setting. And sure enough, they're back after 100 years. And he's like, I told you so. But let's mm-hmm. let's talk about something else that comes with this character. So part of why he gets all of these things in his prison pit is it's made out that he's incredibly seductive. The data page says he could make a mountain fall in love with him. Some said he could whisper down a cloud mm. and invite it to rain and bathe him before it flew off, just like Lady Gaga. Um, uh, so, um, rain, rain on me. Come on, people. These are the jokes. So, uh, so what we get by the end of this page is that he's yet another character who's been introduced as bisexual or pansexual and who, who immediately is kind of like made evil and seductive just by the fact that he is bi or pansexual. Even with the death of Bracken, War's husband, it says the details of their relationship are unknown. Some say the two were intimate and it kind of leaves it hanging there. And I, I love having more bi and pansexual characters, but I get a little annoyed when they all have to be psychopathic, seductive, borderline rapists, which is what we saw with Dokken. Am I just being hypersensitive to this or do other people read this beat as well? To I mean, be honest, it's, you're it's not kind wrong. It's really easy. Yeah, it's really easy to, to cast things that are out of the norm as the evil people, exactly. right? I mean, that's why, you know, in, in, in the past, I mean, I, I'm not talking about American TV here, right? Let, let me, you know, I, I grew up in Singapore. So in if we look at Singapore TV, it's always the, the I mean, I don't know if you guys uh, know what the the term Angmaw means. Mm-mm. The word well, basically it, no. it is a di- it's, it's a Chinese dialect that says red hair, so referring to Caucasian, right? Oh. So uh. so in in Singapore TV shows, it's always the Caucasian who are the bad people, who are the villain, who are the like the because they are out, they are kind of out of the norm. So mm-hmm. I see it the same way here. So so it's like you know if you are not part of the normal thing. You know, if you're pan, if you're bi, you know, and for 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 a long time, if you're gay, you know, you're you're different, and you're always a little bit 
you know, not good, a little bit evil, you know, that kind of thing. And it kind so, of feels like in 2020, when reading a new one, I'm like, really? Can I get like a bisexual character who's just very friendly? Which we do have in Hercules in, in Al Ewing's current run on Hercules. He was bringing some friendly. great, great gay content in 2020. Bless him. But I don't know, Freya, you were about to start too when Tyler started speaking. What are your feelings on this? So the thing is like, no, I completely agree. Like you're not wrong that that happens. But at the same time, I have two points to that. For me, when it's like an alien character, you know, and then whether they're sexually different or they're racially different, which is, you know, a thing of its own. Yeah. I often kind of feel that is it, should we include them as a sign of representation, what it means for us? Please talk about this more because I think this is a huge point and I'm not necessarily the, the right one to make it. Right. So because to me, it's like, okay, because their customs are different. They're you know, culture's different. So whatever the, you know, the things that they're going through for being, like, as Tyler mentioned, being different is not necessarily the same with what we think, you know? So the thing is, is it actually representation? For me, it's not, you know, for me, like, because there was like a lot of discussion about Valkyrie being a black woman. Like, no, it's not because Valkyrie is Valkyrie. She's Asgardian. She's not human. So the fact that she's, you know, potentially a bi character or potentially a lesbian character who's also black doesn't necessarily mean much because it's not the same culture or same struggle or same challenges. And then the second point was uh, that yeah. the fa- is he is he weird? <laughs> Sorry, not weird, but is he evil because he's bi, or he is just don't care, so it doesn't really matter to him who he is having sex with? You know what I mean? So yeah. So in that case, I'm like, you know, it just I, like I, I that, that doesn't like- necessarily make like that's not. That's not his defining character, I was thinking. You know what right. I mean? Did and that make sense? That. It's a very yeah. subtle thing for me. No, I think it's huge. And I'm, I think you've you've said it in such a way that's like so clear and obvious that I haven't frequently heard it. And combining kind of Tyler's point about like, you know, the, the person who's different is made out to be a monster. And your point about it's not actual representation sometimes is is you get this group of characters where we're supposed to celebrate like wow there's people of color on the page there wow there's people who are you know not straight on the page or not cis on the page but then we're like we're being asked to embrace them as the representation when none of them get to be the human and then so it's like the whole human cast the whole cast that like we're allowed that why why can't the human cast be those people and let all the villains be the the people who get to be um you know cis straight het ex, white etc etc but the, you know this is one of the challenges of representation in comics and I think only as you get more writers that are representative more editors that are representative can we continue to chip away at these problems because it can get frustrating in aggregate when you look to your representation across the whole line and all of them are like aliens from other cultures like guess what man all we all exist here too right and, and, and I think like you know you I there's also the conversation of like, oh my God, uh, like, you know, not only what, like, you know, straight white men can be the uh, villain, 
because I personally think ladies can be villain too. You know, like irredeemable villains. I and I yeah, think I want to see. Goes, I want to see ladies do some stuff that I can never forgive them for. Exactly. Like you know, so I I I want that, and then I also want the like you know the whether it's like a gay villain or like bisexual villain or whatever you say, like across like you know different like you know I want to see that. But the problem is, is like when you don't have a counter to that, it always feels like you were just saying that oh these people are villain because they're different. You know, right. so that's mm-hmm. that's where the problem comes in. What Tyler was talking, I think that it should, it can be done. To me, though, as the current X Men cast exists in Docs, I feel that it was a perfect time to do that because we have Kate, who is potentially bisexual, and we have uh, you know Bobby. Uh, is it Bobby? Yeah, Iceman. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah, who's, who's gay. And then we have, like, you know, North Star, who is gay, who are all in, like, you know, in their different... And cha- Prodigy different, as well, uh, who I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's Prodigy, a lot richer than it has. And we're not... Yeah. It's never yeah. a numbers game of, like, we have five, now it's enough. It's like, do we really feel like we can see the full spectrum of identity on the page? And I think you're right. I think it's a little... There's more leeway to do this kind of character as a villain when you actually are doing some representation elsewhere. As opposed to when we first met Dokken back in 2006, where, like, he was the only character. And as, and I love Dokken, and Freya loves Dokken. But he was not great representation. So I want to come back to a little bit more about Solomon in a minute, but I want to take a detour to something else. So Wolverine basically goes to track down the Mormasa blade and he like goes to the hand and he fights a bunch of hand ninjas because they're like the, you know, the toss away villains of the Marvel Universe. And he basically just trips right through their little portal and falls right into a lake of fire in hell. And, um, And this actually made me a little confused because I didn't. Wolverine's been to hell. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, I long ago for all you youngins reading comic books, but it was only ten years ago in actual time. Some of us have been buying, reading Marvel every month since then, and I just was really confused about like, wait, is part of Wolverine's soul still in hell, or are we flashing back to the last time he was in hell? Oh, and then he was just in hell, right? Because or somewhere in the afterlife somewhere, after Charles yeah. Soule killed him in 2014. So I just was really confused about the end of Wolverine Six going into the beginning of X Force 13 when he's like a skeleton again. Because I, I thought it was a flashback or, or or we were finding out he didn't have a soul all this time. I just was like really, really confused. Am I the only one who was like really this perplexed or or was that a point of confusion for either of you? Well, I have to reread um, the, the the few the, the few pages because it wasn't entirely clear what was happening. I think the only thing that was made clear was the coloring right Mm -hmm. it was like blue and then it was like all bright yellow and red and i was like okay wait when you say then and you say now like is it like a few hours ago or is it a few days ago or is like years years ago yeah Yeah. so i was i was a little bit confused to be to be honest and um it you know it didn't help to have like muramasa who is who looks different like in the then and the now so I was like, um, what is happening? Yeah, I got yes. a little lost. I did. I got lost. Oh, yeah. I was completely lost. I was completely lost until X-Force. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> wait, what's going on? And then also, not to mention, I actually read Wolverine 1 through 5 just before then. I was like, yeah. whoa, are we still in the other one? <laughs> <laughs> and you well, talk also, about and also it's... talk about like you know you were talking about like a crossover and tie-ins and the pros you know so I was thinking like whoa are we still in the and so it wasn't until Solem showed up and he was like lying down like a skeleton 
Wolverine was lying as a skeleton. That's when it all clicked. I'm like, oh, this is all happening now. I want to put a pin on that scene because I want to come right back to it. But Tyler did say something about the colors. Uh, I want to talk about the art as we kind of make the switch from Wolverine into Mm X-Force. There's something really interesting about the art here. Uh, Not not the penciler necessarily, but Matt Wilson colors both of these issues. He's like one of the biggest superstar colorists there is in the biz. Not many people are as consistently amazing. And part of what's so amazing about his colors is his trademark for me is they're very textured. He very rarely does like a flat color or he doesn't do colors with a lot of shine on them. He's not one of these people, like if we think back to the coloring of Dawn of X, which, or I mean, Hoxbox, which I didn't always love. It's very shiny. There's always a glisten on the hair because that's how Marta Gracia colors. And, um, Wilson's colors are very textured. They always have like a roughness to them. And I think it really sold the transition to the hell or limbo or wherever we are in a way that I don't know that other colors would have sold. And, you know, this penciler, not one of my favorite pencilers. I think his line weights are often a little bit too thin, especially for Wolverine. It makes it look fragile. But I think the texture quality of Wilson's colors let didn't make it feel so fragile and breakable and made the hell portion seem really gritty to me. Did you did either of you have any reactions to the art in these? two chapters i i'm not going to th- think about hair gloss thank you peter <laughs> you have a beautiful like, shine on your hair today so no, you're I like know. a martin gracia <laughs> character yeah, yeah. I'm, I, that's that's one of my one of my mutant powers but um shiny hair <laughs> but but no i'm just i'm gonna think about it but to be honest though it wasn't to me though it wasn't as for me, it wasn't as good because oftentimes coloring can be used very well to see now and then, like or like different between different times or places and stuff like that. I didn't feel that. You wanted it, it to had, do more of that. Right. I wanted it to be more of that. Either use sepia tone or something different for that. And to me, it all felt like the same timeline. Like the the or the difference was so subtle that my, you know, new eyes could not pick that up so now that, I, you I didn't... S- now that you say that and i'm paging through the issue i see that even though he didn't use a sepia tone the different parts had different saturations so the parts of yeah. solemn finding his way there is really blown out none of the reds are allowed to get really red but that's in retrospect having had this whole conversation in reading the issue as great as I, matthew wilson is and as much as i worship at his feet it just wasn't enough to differentiate the scenes i think we could say or maybe yeah. that was the point. I don't know maybe. whether that was whether that was the point because t- it felt like it was supposed to. You were supposed to read it kind of like in a dreamlike state because at least that's what it felt to me. Maybe that was the point that you're not. Sometimes confusion supp- is a narrative device. Yeah, so it was like you know you were not because to be honest, the, the whole Wolverine issue were fairly confusing until X Force it all comes together. So I don't know whether that was by design. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I Tyler don't really about art like. Then. I don't really like the the penciler for this. No. Um, but, I mean, I think across the docks line, he is actually the weakest. Um, it conjure up like bad nineties, um, you know, image clone type of um thing for me. So mm. um, I, I didn't I didn't particularly enjoy his art, and um and 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 this brings me to like um I mean not necessarily to my to the to to one of the things that bugs me a lot and it 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 doesn't it's not really his fault i mean i think uh percy's fault as well for writing that um i mean if your muscles and tendons are all burnt away how the hell are you moving 
I know the 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 skeleton thing was just a little. I think I'm like, they, I have this thing. One of the other things my brain does with the figure skating yeah. and the deducting points is I don't like when pe- writers take everything to the extreme, which is funny because I came up in the extreme '90s. But like, yeah. did we need? Every scrap of flesh burnt off the skeleton. Yeah. You know, like, do, do we always need to go down to the one drop of blood will regenerate Wolverine? Because sometimes it gives you visuals that, while they seem cool in the moment, they also kind of take me out of reading. Yeah. And I know that's because I'm a more literal reader and, and I'm an adult reader and, like, somebody who's a younger reader who's less literal than me is like, cool, skeleton! <laughs> yeah, it's probably what Scott Snyder would say. But, um, <laughs> you know, like, it took me out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and if everything is being burnt off how is he going to see? Like, how does he know that way is up? Because like, one of his mutant skills is, like, knowing what true north is. Like, I don't know, right? Like, who knows? But I, I yeah. want to dig into... Let's I, We could... The thumbs down will be coming for us if we talk too negatively too long about it. <laughs> I want to talk about something Faria said. We learned this early in House of X. If we all went off in our full critical sentiment at the beginning, the videos would get, would get tanked. And we do love these comic books. We love comic books in general. So we've just learned to pepper the critical sentiment through the video. So That's that we, we don't, do. so that you don't hate us all at once. You know, we like to just stretch it out. So something Freya said that I want to actually part two of the solemn discussion is Wolverine's kind of reclining there, you know, in his skeleton form, and Solemn is kind of fascinated by him. And this is what ultimately made me like Solemn. He doesn't like. He, he views Wolverine in this kind of very gentlemanly way where like eventually we might fight but why should we co- why shouldn't we cooperate now the fight will be spectacular later let's have fun now which I actually really like when villains are written like that they're like it's just not time yet and that made the way that they kind of Wolverine were like who are you and Salma's like oh welcome we're in the cell I've already tried the bars like it, that was very entertaining to me well, I mean, I that's because it. he's a lawful evil character. Yes, he's not a chaotic evil. Not yeah, chaotic. he's lawful. Yeah. He has, he has, he has, he has certain sets of rules and honor. Yes, but he's evil. So. Yeah. <laughs> like me. Sorry, Freya. Do you yeah, know? Tired. Do you feel like you're being? <laughs> we are totally D- go- We totally went D and D on you. <laughs> like you know, no, I know, I know that I know those um those nine blocks. Like, is it nine right? Lawful, mm-hmm. like good and yeah. stuff like that. I'm yeah. I'm always my aim in life is to be lawful evil. Like you know, so I know that feel. Yeah, no, I mean I'm always trying to be. I mean you know, what's the fun of being good? Um, so. Or maybe chaotic. Uh, anyway, so the thing is, a like, whole no, separate I separate video potentially. Yeah, right. Um, no, I, I absolutely love it though. It's that the thing is like, oh yeah. So while you're sleeping, I got this, this done, and then, you know, then we kind of get a flashback on how he got there. But the, the thing is, yeah. like you said, like it just. I started liking him before that because you know when they were saying that oh he can he's a very good seduct seducting person I'm like yes tell me more he already seduced me um, without not doing much just by sitting there but yeah so it just it adds character I think I think it yeah. just makes things less lazy and then make things like okay at least this person you know there's going to be something more happening I really enjoyed it. This, to me, is one of the reasons that I've come to really enjoy Benjamin Percy. I didn't really know a lot of stuff by him before DC Rebirth, and he wrote a very long run on Green Arrow, which I like. I can't say as a Green Arrow fan, which I know for you is, I don't know if it works for all Green Arrow fans, but as a Green Arrow newbie, it totally worked for me. And one of the reasons was 
he would introduce characters that seemed like they were going to make me roll my eyes at them, and then I wound up caring. And I think that that's like a sign of a good... You've got to use archetypes in a comic. You have a limited amount of time. You have a limited amount of panels. you got to rely on people's ability to, like, make assumptions and, and have assumptions about a character in order to get them somewhere. And I think he's really good at it. But from that point to the end of the issue, it kind of just feels like whoosh down the roller coaster. Like, they're friends. They get to this cliff. They see this wedding ceremony. A hand person is getting married to a human. They made souls with the swords, and then there's a fight, and then they both have blades at the end. Like, it kind of just... And, 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 and Wolverine was, like, mostly naked <laughs> in, in hell. Like, totally <laughs> naked. That's true. <laughs> and, yeah, I was like, I was like, um, I mean that that wasn't that wasn't one of the things that bugged me, but it was. I mean, I was like, okay, great. Uh, well, but, his clothes I mean, doesn't regenerate. I mean, no, he doesn't. That's that's the thing, yeah. and it's like, and, and it kind of makes sense that it's like, okay, I mean, hell, I'm not going to be like looking for clothing and stuff like that. So, but then they do uh, put on clothes to like sneak they in. Do, for they a do. Page. Yeah. 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 But, but the thing that really bugged me is like at the end when he walked through the gate, he was in costume. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Krakow takes care oh, of you. Oh, oh, or, or, and here's the final thing we have to talk about in these first two issues. Wolverine intimates that he has paid a price of some kind mm-hmm. to Solomon so that they would both walk away with swords. Yeah. What if there's something we didn't see here? What if Wolverine came back, got the costume on, and did something else? Like, I definitely got the sense that there was a time lapse of more than a minute or two of them talking where Wolverine squared away this deal. That's that's how I justified the costume change to myself. But what was the point of the wedding? I don't I didn't know. get souls. I didn't get the... Something about souls. Keys. The the two souls are keys. Keys for the beast to enter our realm. Oh. The beast is that kind of heavy set hand demon which uh, to get to figure skating deductions i'm like do we need like once you reveal what he looks like he's not scary anymore you know yeah and he they just did that and not too long ago and in, in, um charles souls's daredevil so as soon as i saw him on the throne i'm like all of the like mysteriousness of this have gone away at the point you just have him on a throne presiding over the yeah. wedding anyway I, i'm a stickler uh but anyway so wolverine comes back he's got the sword but solemn also has the sword like mm-hmm. it would it have been better if Wolverine had treated it as more of a zero-sum game now and not taken the gentleman's agreement and was like, no, let's just do it? Or is it necessary for Krakoa's survival that they have to do it in the arena? Like, I wouldn't want him to have the sword now. I would have done anything to prevent him from getting the sword because maybe they would have defaulted their whole side of the tournament if he didn't get the sword. Well, I mean, but the the thing is, is Wolverine did not get the sword. So he paid each of the them price. got a sword. Yeah, each of them well, got a sword. Eventually, he did. Right. What I meant was that, like in the beginning, he had to pay a price to in order to get his sword. So he wasn't the one, um, you know, he he wasn't the one driving the bargain. Right. Solemn was the one who is driving the bargain. And Solemn, being lawful evil, was like, "Let's go, man. Let's just yeah. show up at the tournament. Like, I'm going to give it to you, but you have to agree to something first. You got to pay a price, mm. you know. And, and then also remember. And also remember, I don't think Solomon is very much in love with Arako. Like, you know, because he was in no. the he was literally in the prison for them. So you don't know where he's going to be, like, you know, in the final battle. I, I mean, the clue is sort of like given to us in Wolverine. He wanted to get to Krakoa. That's that's my thinking. That I think that regard if his his bargain with Wolverine is probably like, you know, if Krakoa wins. I have to get to I have to mm. to be able to get through through to Krakoa somehow. Well, mm. I think that that brings up I think the final thing we can say about these two issues is um 
Team Morocco is not as united as Team Mutant. Team Mutant no. is a team. Team Morocco, right. they're having to put some crazy draft picks out of the pit. Who else? Know, who knows where else they're going to get them? But there's like these four horsemen and the one like the undefeated or whatever. But then some of these other people, they're having to kind of scare up because their whole idea is conflict. And I think thematically, we are coming to a point where we're going to see this idea of a nation in conflict where nobody can agree against this nation of mutants who've actually come together. And that's something really new and different for mutants because usually there's always some subterfuge. And I'm sure we're going to get some subterfuge. I mean, Shaw he is here. But um, yeah. I, I just think that that Hickman and and um, and Teeny Howard and the whole crew yeah. are setting up this whole idea of kind of chaos versus order in terms mm -hmm. of the in terms of the final throwdown. Yeah. So and, my and question talk? is, no, my Go question ahead. is, magic is just hanging out there. She's not going anywhere. She's, she's kind she's of team captain, out. I think. She's. I think <laughs> that she's was one of my thoughts. <laughs> that no, was I mean, one of my just... thoughts too. They were like, they're just sitting there for like three days and waiting yeah, like, for people. <laughs> to like everyone there. comes, like, or this is all yeah. happening simultaneously. It's just because of the way we are yeah. reading it. Like, I think you know, some of it is happening yes. simultaneously, and yeah. I also think that it might be kind of like once you step on your transporter disc, maybe you can't go. I don't. <laughs> you I can't don't know. go anyway. Yeah. No, but, I was just like, but. Hmm. If you look at the the timeline, right? Like from the time that um, Polaris get the um, the 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 readings from Sachinai, um, mm -hmm. it is and resurrection and from from her to create that stone thing, uh, the stone circle, it is already like twenty four hours. And they only have so, a little while, right? Yeah, so they only have three days, so they are left with like forty eight hours. So yeah, I know standing there for forty eight hours doesn't make sense, which is why Wolverine and Magic was sitting down when Storm came in. But but you know, it is it is. Um, I mean, it is not as long as you think it is, mm. and I think um everything is happening simultaneously. Um, so you know, but but talking about uh Hickman and Teeny, right? Um, I I mean, let's let's. Let's dive in a little bit into the you know the different provinces, the write up, because I, I think they were really interesting. I think we might I might have to make the executive decision that we have to do a separate video on separate. those because we have to still get we have a whole double length issue of Marauders. That's true. That's still, true. I do want to talk about them. So so sound off in the comments how you would like us to address mm -hmm. the other. Should we do it all in one? Should we do one little capsule one for each? Feel free to share. Yeah. Your, your opinions because i because i and i really do want to talk about them some of the ones in these issues were really really interesting um mm -hmm. but let's flash to marauders for a second so okay i want to turn it over to freya because it sounds like she enjoyed this the most of the three of yes. us um i did you but you don't know as much about storm as maybe tyler and i do and you still really liked it and i think this also refers to a lot of great historical storm so what did you get from Storm here? Like, what does she realize she has to do? And how does she feel about that? So not necessarily from the point of view of Storm that I kind of like, you know, I lo loved this issue so much because like you said, I don't know much about her history, but I do know about her history of with Wakanda. Right. And like, you know, all the we've read wedding. Yes, yeah. all the wedding and all of that happened and stuff like that. To me, I was actually, I ha I actually got misty-eyed because for the first time, or not necessarily for the first time, but, you know, I saw, like, women making this. so much decisions about, you know, 
their talk is not about it's about like you know what is right thing to do to me it reminded me a lot like nakia and okoya's uh conversation in after in black panther when you know she was like you want me to give up like you know you want me like you know duty versus loyalty and those kind of thing and it was a very much of a reminder of that to kind of see that between two characters like you know two two characters who consider each other to be sisters and then you know how shuri kind of knew that storm will try that because of storm's past as a thief and then you know and then even though there was this this friction and it's not the con contrast to wolverine getting his sword it was like it you had to actually convince a person to give you the sword it's not like it's so much harder it's so much like you know it takes so much more effort to me that was like the hard point for this <laughs> issue like i absolutely loved that and I would agree that Shori, you know, Shori's another newer character. People treat her as she's been a lot around for a long time, but she only came into being in the 2000s as a named right. character. And something I really enjoyed about the last few years of her, probably in Marvel, all new, all different and forward, is that she's really played as a much more rounder and dynamic version of T'Challa in a way. Like T'Challa's off doing all the heroic beats that he has to do as the star, but then Shuri gets the gets to do the things that like a character that would really be motivated to to do things would do. Coates uses her that way. If people haven't read the um, Daddy Cora uh, 4 Shuri series, it's a fantastic series with really great artwork. And it just shows that Shuri is is the version of the Black Panther that is more connected maybe to the world of the living and to the people and to her history, which is one of her powers, than Black Panther T'Challa is, who's connected more to the world of heroism and to the idea of ruling and the idea of being a figurehead. And they're re a really interested two sides of the coin. And ultimately, I just think this issue was a lot better for making it a Storm and Shuri issue instead of making the whole issue a Storm and T'Challa issue, which we've gotten many times over already. So I would say that that's one of the strongest positives that Vida Ayla has leaned into here, which is that the Storm and Shuri quality of it, and, and using Shuri very, very well, uh, is probably the best part of the issue for me. I mean, right, and also I, like Shuri I, gets... I don't have... No, no, sorry, I was just going to say that... Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say that Shuri also is like very much... She's like, for me actually, like, is she's so well written in the sense that she is connected to all her past and her culture and everything but then she's still the one who thinks about the future like you know she's like yes. technologically like technologically advanced usually those she's traits are separated separate. from each other but she's allowed to be both which is so interesting Right. And the thing is like something that I often struggle with because, you know, I'm, I come from Bangladesh. So I have to deal. I have I'm actually a person of two worlds because I have when I talk to my parents, I'm one way or when I'm, you know, in a Bangladeshi culture, or like, you know, uh, functions or something, I'm in one way. But then when I'm, you know, dealing with rest of the world, I'm in a different way. So I feel like Shuri kind of does it so well. So to me, that kind of comes in like, you know, mm. and makes makes her one of my favorite characters. So the thing is to see that Shuri, that Shuri kind of come through and be like, ah, no, you can't take that. And that was A+. So I actually, I have to plug in this computer. So while I'm wrestling around, Tyler, can you talk a little bit about Storm the Thief for a moment yeah. while I'm doing that? Okay. Well, I mean, Storm, 
it 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 is um sort of established by Claremont that Storm uh when she was an often uh when she was often in um in Egypt I think uh or Cairo specifically um she was trained by a master thief and she became like the the best thief you know of her age in Cairo at that time so that part has played quite prominently in the earlier uh, Claremont stories but um, it has not been touched on um, a lot I think recently in fact I think Storm was I think one of the main complaints that most people have is that Storm was written so well by Claremont that any other writers that came later and tried to write Storm is hampered by that because you know no one could match the way that he he, he has written her and um i mean I, I actually tend to agree with that um i mean the other thing that i kind of uh, I, I mean i don't know wakanda as well as um the two of you because i don't i, I do not read a lot of uh, black panther um so so the the way i like I, I like this issue a lot because um of the way um vita structure the uh flashbacks um of storm and without any exposition right so basically she went through the different identity of of storm like she was a child she was an orphan she was a thief she was a goddess she was an x-man or she is an x-man and she's a moloch she's a teacher and she's a krakowin see just so, and then they left sorry oh no go ahead uh, no i said and then they left the part of her as a sister as a queen as a wife to the narrative, I mean, you know, to the interaction with Shuri and 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 the Queen Mother. So I thought that was really, really good part, you know, and, a, a good way to introduce someone who may not know Storm as well. And then also it worked really well because even though I didn't know her pa- like past or I know whatever mm-hmm. from the movies and stuff like that, I could follow it. You know, I could follow the timeline on the side and talk about coloring. Those colors were different, and you could tell those are from the past. You know, like, you know, that was done very well. And it was like a panel on the side that kind of done boom, boom, boom. As she's talking over here, it's all happening on the side. I thought that was done very well. Mm -hmm. So before I go on, I'll just point out that Vitaela's pronouns are they, them. And so we're going to do our best to respect that. And if we make a mistake, that is our mistake. And it is for us to correct. Uh, The thing I would say about the way that Vitaela structured this is that they made it so that... um, it didn't feel like it was being info dumped, which I think was appreci- something to appreciate. If, as you point out, it was part of the story. And I just, I picked up on all that same thing. I don't want to repeat your whole point, but it was just really interesting to see a storm in all of these settings. And let's not forget that Storm had a maternal relationship with Kitty Pride. She, there were many, many issues of X-Men where she refers to Kitty, and I'm saying Kitty because I'm talking about her historically rather than present day Kate, where she treats Kitty like her daughter. And she says that as Kitty's getting older, she feels like she's not needed as much as a mother. So it's just so interesting because it felt like this very 360 full circle view of Storm, mother, daughter, sister, wife, um, thief. No, it just, it really, really worked. Some of the points of it were a little bit dull to me. And again, we get into this like figure skating deduction mode that I go into. Mm. Like really this, you couldn't pick one artifact that's ever been mentioned in actual Black Panther comics. Because I, I, Frida, back me up here. They just invented this, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is not. We've never heard about this before. It just felt like it could have been that she had to take something with the heart-shaped herb and some 
Vibranium. I just get a little bit annoyed when things get invented just in the issue. And I think for me that kind of lessened the impact of all the storm stuff, but it also is a as a form of craft because if you have to slip in this thing that you've just invented what better way to make readers feel like it has a history than to slip that in alongside a character's history because it kind of makes it both um kind of glide forward and it's hard to tell what's being invented right now versus what's being invented um not at all because it's already established and i think that's actually a really clever play when you've got to introduce something like this sword and do it in the span of 40 pages yeah. But the thing is, though, it also kind of changes all of Black Panther's history. Too. Yeah. I mean, so like, that, oh. that to me, I didn't quite like that because then it's like, well, no, their entire thing is based on vibranium, you know. So the thing is, like, it's not, this is not one of that. Like, you know, so the thing is, it's like, okay, now another writer will have to deal with this. Like, you know, and, uh, and then another writer will have to kind of make sure that there's a story associated with it. And... Why? Unless Tanahasi Kote is doing something with it, but I know his run is coming to an end. So, yeah. well, and that's so it's the like, other thing in Tanahasi Kote's run. Storm is like on Team Wakanda. Like, there's this intergalactic space thing. They send her to the moon, and she's in the atmosphere. Like, she is on the team. So some of the stuff here felt like a little weird because I was like, she's talking about how she's reached this point of like. um almost like stasis in her relationship with with T'Challa but I actually came away from Coates thinking that they were in a much better place because she kept leaving Krakoa to defend this other nation and maybe it's just because as an editorial team they already know how that Coates run would end had we not had a pandemic the final issues would have been out by now so like it's kind of hard to fully interpret this in context because there's issues that probably are going to have Storm in them that we haven't seen yet that are going to tell us what the relationship was before this one. So that's what we get for being weekly readers, you know. It's the pain of not reading in trade, right? Not having but, context. You know, but the thing is, though, I, for one, hats off to Vita for introducing that T'Challa can be a little bit of asshole because he said, like, shut that gate down. If they want to come, like, they will, we will talk about it. I am kind of glad that it happened because there is always this whole thing that anytime they will have to mention which nations are on board with mutant, they have to kind of do an editorial, like a separate version. But the Wakanda is cool, you know, you guys, Wakanda is cool. <laughs> but I am for one glad that no, now Wakanda is not cool. They're not. They, they have a, and justifiably so. Like, you know. Yeah. They, they, a Krakoan agent came and took something from them, like justifiably so. So it's really put things in a very complex situation and it's not like, you know, you're black and white. And to me, it kind of, because I keep talking about like greater Krakoa or building a nation and stuff. And I think this kind of plays into that as well. So I really hope either in Moraders or somewhere else, this is mentioned and this is talked about more because I... I'm glad to see that, that finally uh, is like, no, shut the gate down. So all other yeah. mutant in Wakanda, tough shit. I really, <laughs> I truly hope that we at some point get a, a solid Wakanda arc, maybe even a crossover or Coates writing some X-Men 
boy, would I like that. Mm -hmm. Because Wakanda feels like the closest analog to Krakoa in a lot of ways in the Marvel Universe. Like, a lot of the DNA of of the story elements that Hickman is using to build culture in Krakoa is DNA that's cribbed directly from Kirby and Lee's introduction of Wakanda, which Free and I have read on this channel back mm -hmm. in Fantastic Four 53. This idea of the separate society with a separate culture that doesn't want to cede anything to the outside world. And I, I just think that I love the moment with the gate. I thought it was awesome. And, um, but I also love the moment that came just before it when he says to Storm, I've never known you to be malicious or untruthful. So if you, it is as you told my mother, then I cannot in good conscience stop you. And I thought that that was such an interesting juxtaposition of T'Challa as a man and a husband where he's like, Storm doesn't lie. I'm not going to punish Storm in this moment for doing the things that she did. In fact, had I been here, maybe I wouldn't have even taken the cultural standpoint that Shori took because I'm not connected to our history in the same way that Shori is. But then once Storm is away and he has to kind of put his mask back on, which literally happens in the art, then he's the panther again and he says, destroy the gate. And I just, it's half a page of images, but I think in that half page, I just got so much more T'Challa content than most non-Coats authors know how to give us. Mm -hmm. And then it also well, kind of shows that, you know, that I'm not punishing Storm, I'm punishing Krakoa. Right. I'm punishing mm -hmm. mutants, I'm punishing Krakow. Not punishing is probably not that because I'm kind of on team T'Challa on this one. It's like someone <laughs> just came and took our stuff. Yeah. You know? No. You know, and, no, and I mean, I agree with, 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 with what you guys um, just mentioned, right? But the but this whole T'Challa thing, not the outcome or his, his reaction, which I completely agree with the two of you, is justified. And it's sort of like, makes him um you know um, uh, i mean the decision making is pretty complex for sure mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you are both a lover and a leader i mean you know uh, and a president or you know of the country right but what i what really bugs me throughout this whole issue is the inconsistency of when t'challa will appear like it started off with the the queen mother saying that oh he will be back any days now and then she's, she changed the tune to say that, oh, it's a few days. You know, can't you just wait a few more days for him to come back? And then mm. Shuri was like, oh, you know, um, stop being impatient. And, and, and um, you know, and, 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 then, and then he appears right at the end in less than like, you know, in less than 12 hours. So, so, so this whole inconsistency treatment sort of like bugs me because I was like, wait, wait, wait. Is he supposed to be back a few days later? Or is he just going to be back any day or well, any time Didn't he now? come back because of the museum, though? Yeah. Like, isn't that the implication that he interrupts whatever Avengers business he's on to be like, what's going on? And then he sees it storm. Like, I don't know. That's how, that's how I, I read his know. eventual appearance. Well, so to me, I was kind of looking at it more as a bureaucratic because that's how politicians talk. Like, you went from few <laughs> any day to few days to in next year like you know that's so queen mother is kind of she's very oh i'm also very happy to see her hairstyle yeah. kind of stayed the same <laughs> as them well it actually started off in brian stalfers started it and then it's still the same mm -hmm. um but the thing is like it's um so i i kind of took it as that and i thought that because the museum and once again it's because they just kind of introduced this new thing now he has to drop everything and just come back that's why i took it because they are mm -hmm. extremely technologically advanced so i wouldn't be surprised if they have their own wakandan gate maybe they should yeah. have a wakandan gate only <laughs> any black people can enter anytime like you know no but like then that. that then then that brings me to another the question of like why is storm so impatient 
right? She has 40, technically, she sort of has 48 hours because she there is a gate from Krakoa to Wakanda. So she- there, there isn't a traveling time, right? So she stepped through and she has about 48 hours. So why is the rush to like, oh, I need to steal it today, now, and I not guess maybe wait? she didn't... I took it as like she didn't want to face T'Challa. Yeah, I, like, I kind of got really... like a ripping the bandaid off quality to it. Like since he wasn't there and since he couldn't be summoned, she was she was prepared to kind of like work it out with him over the course of 42 hours. And in that throne room scene, she kind of is like, oh, I really don't want to have to go through this with the two of you. And as it progresses and like Shuri kind of shows her how steely she's going to be, Storm realizes the sooner she does it, the better. That was personally my read. I don't know if that was the author's intent or not. But I kind of got the sense that Storm was upping the pace mentally as she realizes she's not going to be able to do it the diplomatic way, which is part of that whole 360 view of Storm. Storm can be a diplomat, but she realizes she has to be a thief. And then also she changes the clothes from white to black, you guys. That was like, you know, and there was like a very much of a cut thing that I'm doing something different. Now so I'm is it like sneaky storm? It, yeah, so is it like a quiet council storm and then Marager's storm? Is that what that's it's supposed it. to Talk be? about that more because I agree. Yes. That that's N- what it was, right? Like it was just I a don't... Se- separation of that. Yeah, not that she always wears white in the quiet council or anything, but it definitely felt like the difference between Storm here as part of Krakoa and Storm here part of Marauders. Let's not forget that Dugan's whole concept of Marauders is like this, it's rooted in a lot of X-Men history. Like it calls back to old Hellfire Club stuff. It calls back Mm -hmm. to stuff with Storm and the Morlocks. It calls back to Kitty and Emma stuff. It's all rooted in this idea of many different countercultures, both heroic and villainous, both, you know, oppressor and the oppressed within mutants. And that's the whole theme of the Dugan book. And it's kind of like Vita Ayla very deftly did the whole thing in one issue just using Storm. So credit where it's due. It was not my most exciting Marauders issue, possibly because I know this history so well and I literally have just read it in the past couple months. And yet, it was pretty darn good. And the art, Lolly, I will say, sometimes Mm -hmm. can be kind of in an uncanny valley to me where, like, all the creatures just look like these wide-eyed gray aliens. Like, their eyes are too far apart and their faces are... I think I just sprained my eyes trying to make the face. They're all... They look like this. But this issue... I loved it. I felt like Storm and Shuri and what is the Queen Mother's name? Ramonda. 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 They had they were really distinct from each other. As you mentioned with the colors, the um knockout colors of the flashbacks were really distinct. And also I think the flashback art was um it was more like semiotic. It had more clean, plain lines and it was a little bit flatter looking, which the colors clearly helped with too. I just I just think there were good creative choices all around in this issue, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. I mean, um, Loli's art sort of won me over um, since issue two, I think. Issue one, I was like, oh, wait, um, is, is at times it appears a little bit cartoony for me. Yeah, that's and then, the thing. Yeah. And then after that, it sort of like grew on me. And, um, you know, this issue looks really um, pretty to me. Um, I, you know, no, I was I myself was kind of sad that Dugan's not writing it, uh, Marauders. <laughs> like I was like, oh no, not doing it. But then you know, Vital, uh, you know, they knocked it out of the park. So yeah. it, to they, me, they, like, they definitely they definitely do a great job. Um, something which I wasn't expecting me because either. I've not I've not read anything written by them. So um, but you know that gives me hope for um New Children Mutants. of the Atom. And New Mutants, Vita is taking over yeah. New Mutants. And I will say, I have read just about every issue of every comic book that Vita Ela has ever released. I am not a fan 
but credit where it's due. Like when you write a good issue, I'm here for it. And if and if the, maybe Vita is going to be a way better fit on the X Men line than they've been a fit for any other comic anywhere else. And many people do enjoy their comics. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. people love the Livewire run. Pe- people love uh, what was their Black Mass series? There's zombies, but they're like the flower wild. zombies. The, the wild. wild, very pretty comic book. Uh, I didn't really like it, but like you know, I'm always rooting for somebody to find their moment where they're great. You know, Bun on Magneto, Brazan on uh, Glob Herman apparently, and then also right who are not male and white and who didn't get 100 chances. Everybody should get 100 chances if those characters, if those writers got 100 mm-hmm. chances. And maybe yeah. we've struck gold with Vita Leila. A- Gosh, I'm so bad at saying their last name. Ayla writing Storm and Mutants. So I'm, I'm and, ready. I'm in. And I was, yeah. I was actually thinking that if they were not doing uh, New Mutants and Children of Atom, like, you know, Black Panther is now open. That's right there. You know, because, you know, <laughs> they, they did a very good job on like... It was a great job. Yeah, like a, a, like great T'Challa, great Shuri, and then you know. But I am just, uh, I mean, you know, the whole. Th- I I was actually very dis- very sad that I'm like, oh, we have to go back to this ten of sword. We cannot see how T'Challa is going to be a dick about this whole thing. <laughs> like you know, it just like. Uh, and then I also kind of like you know kind of forgot that Storm went there as a quiet council representative first, but then. Mm-hmm. She decided. Well, I guess I have to be a moderator's. So, yeah. so there was that part of it as well. You know, there was it. Yeah, yeah. and then also. I mean, she a- she she played a lot of roles, a lot of different roles in 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 this issue alone, and that is sort of mirrored a little bit by the flashback. Yeah, mm. and th- so and, I, I, I don't- and thank God for her race because you know we didn't want to see another white person stealing something from a black country. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm glad that we did not have to deal with that. So even though, ne- next week, even though, uh, no, but, but before of- before we go, I mean, I also kind of like that they they actually write um, an onslaught survivor. Yes, it, I enjoyed like, that. That made me like, really wait, really what? laugh. Yeah, I was like, I was like, what? What is that about? It's like literally someone who survived like, the onslaught, onslaught th- theoretically, like, the, like the 1996 crossover that made me oh, flee from comic books. Right. <laughs> I know of the event. I yeah, not yeah. Made my the most lamentable omnibus, probably. So look, next week is another three issue week. Help, <laughs> Lord help us all. Uh, Hellions five, New Mutants thirteen, and Cable number five. Of those, I think I'm the most excited to see what's going on with Cable. Cyclops and Jean on Jean. on sword on the 100%. on the space station. The, the like, yeah. but Hellions is probably my favorite. Hellions and New Mutants are probably my top two titles right now. But mm-hmm. but I don't think Brazan is writing this New Mutants issue, so I'm kind of excited for next week. I thought mm-hmm. this week was going to be the Grin and Barrett week, and then here, you know, the you know Marauders kind of came through for me. So next mm-hmm. week, I think I'm the most hyped for out of this initial half of the crossover, and then the week after that is Excalibur and X Men, which I'm like, eh. And then we get back to X of Swords Stasis, which is kind of like the yeah. the midpoint. So closing thoughts on what what we have to expect in the coming week from either of you. I have a lot of thoughts about Hellions that I'm going to save for next week. And I'm Oh, cuz you very... caught up on Hellions. I am caught up on have Hellions. You? Oh. Okay, we'll okay. stay tuned for that next week. Yeah, and yeah. I am super excited for Cable. It's it's by Dugan though, right? He's writing it. I sure hope so. I think so. I we we need to take a look. Oh, but okay. I mean, I But the I, thing is I'm like, just I'm just <laughs> Like cable, I mean, I'm on it. Emma, yeah, I'm ready. Emma. Oh, I'm so yeah. no, I love it. But for me, it's like it um, is. Dumb. I mean, and I'm just. Yes. 
Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yes. I'm just wondering one thing, right? How 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 um what are the prices? What what are the price? You know, what else do do the Krakoan have to pay to to get into this tournament? Because we already saw like you know two two different type of like cost to the to the Krakoans right now to obtain two swords and costs I mean, to the Arakans or whatever their name is too, right? Like Solemn made some kind of deal and let Wolverine be. And, and yeah. I'm sure we're going to see, they had to let Solemn out of the pit to begin with. I think, you know, <laughs> this is, there's going to be costs on both sides. I really don't think yeah. this whole story is really just going to be bashed out in the tournament. I think that mm-hmm. Saturnine especially already knows how much it's going to cost each of the sides. So I think that's really interesting. By the way, Hellions next week, uh, Zeb Wells continues to write, but with Carmen Canero, prob- probably my favorite artist at Marvel right now, yes. uh, is going to draw it. So we're in for a week next week. Uh, we we also have some, some small other thoughts to share with you and maybe some subsequent in between episodes so please sound off below if you've watched if you've listened what are you the most interested from this week did you agree with us that wolverine got a little confusing and hal dragged a little bit did you agree with us that we saw a fantastic issue of storm or are you totally off and on your own we want to hear either way uh you definitely subscribe because we are going to be back every week with more x of swords even if we think that we hated the issues we're going to come here and talk about it, it might turn out with the light that we like them you never know yeah so uh, <laughs> we kind of start over there like that every time it's like we don't yeah. like this issue and at the end we're like oh we kind of really liked it <laughs> but maybe it's just that x-men is better together with other people you know oh. maybe maybe x-men is just more oh. of a community yeah <laughs> just like Krakot. a family and, and on a that family. note we still are missing the fourth member of our quartet Zach, the eggs have all been destroyed. We don't know when the resurrection protocols will mean that he can be back, but hopefully sometime soon. And until then, and until next week, this is Peter, Tyler, and Freya signing off from another This Week in X. Bye, everyone.